Homily twenty two part one of Homilies on Ephesians by St. John Chrysostom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily twenty two part one Ephesians six five through eight. Servants, be obedient unto them that, according to the flesh, are your masters, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not in the way of eye service as men pleasers but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that whatsoever good thing each one doeth, the same shall he receive again from the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Thus, then, it is not husband only, nor wife, nor children, but virtuous servants also that contribute to the organization and protection of a house. Therefore the blessed Paul has not overlooked this department even. He comes to it, however, in the last place, because it is last in dignity and rank. Still he addresses much discourse also to them, no longer in the same tone as to children, but in a far more advanced way, inasmuch as he does not hold out to these the promise in this world but in that which is to come knowing saith he that whatsoever good or evil thing each one doeth the same shall he receive of the lord and thus at once instructs them to love wisdom for though they be inferior to the children in dignity still in mind they are superior to them servants saith he be obedient to them that according to the flesh are your masters thus at once he raises up at once soothes the wounded soul be not grieved he seems to say that you are inferior to the wife and the children slavery is nothing but a name the mastership is according to the flesh brief and temporary for whatever is of the flesh is transitory with fear he adds and trembling thou seest that he does not require the same fear from slaves as from wives for in that case he simply said and let the wife see that she fear her husband whereas in this case he heightens the expression with fear he saith and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto christ this is what he constantly says what meanest thou blessed paul he is a brother or rather he has become a brother he enjoys the same privileges he belongs to the same body yea more he is the brother not of his own master only but also of the son of god he is partaker of all the same privileges yet sayest thou obey your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling yes for this very reason he would say i say it for if i charge freemen to submit themselves one to another in the fear of god as he said above submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of christ if i charge moreover the wife to fear and reverence her husband although she is his equal much more must i so speak to the servant it is no sign of low birth rather it is the truest nobility to understand how to lower ourselves to be modest and unassuming to give way to our neighbour 
and the free have served the free with much fear and trembling in singleness of heart he says and it is well said since it is possible to serve with fear and trembling and yet not of good will but in just any way that may be possible many servants in many instances secretly cheat their masters and this cheating accordingly he does away by saying in singleness of your heart as unto christ not in the way of eye-service as men-pleasers but as servants of christ doing the will of god from the heart with good will doing service as unto the lord and not unto men seest thou how many words he requires in order to implant this good principle with good will i mean and from the heart that other service with fear and trembling i mean we see many rendering to their masters and the master's threat goes far to secure that but show saith he that thou servest as the servant of christ not of man make the right action your own not one of compulsion just as in the words which follow he persuades and instructs the man who was ill-treated by another to make the right action his own and the work of his own free choice because inasmuch as the man that smites the cheek is not supposed to come to that act in consequence of any intention in the person struck but only of his own individual malice what saith he turn to him the other also to show him that in submitting to the first thou wert not unwilling for he that is lavish in suffering wrong makes that his own which is not his own act by suffering himself to be smitten on the other cheek also and not merely by enduring the first blow for this latter will have perhaps the appearance even of cowardice but that of a high philosophy thus thou wilt show that it was for the sake of wisdom that thou didst bear the first blow also and so in the present case show here too that thou bearest this slavery also willingly the man-pleaser then is no servant of christ the servant of christ is not a man-pleaser for who that is the servant of god makes it his object to please men and who that pleases men can be a servant of god from the heart saith he with good will doing service for since it is possible to do service even with singleness of heart and not wrongfully and yet not with all one's might but only so far as fulfilling one's bounden duty therefore he says do it with alacrity not of necessity upon principle not upon constraint if thus thou do service thou art no slave if thou do it upon principle if with good will if from the heart and if for christ's sake for this is the servitude that even paul the free man serves and exclaims for we preach not ourselves but christ jesus as lord and ourselves as servants for jesus sake look how he divest thy slavery of its meanness for just in the same way as the man who has been robbed if he gives still more to him who has taken is not ranked among those robbed but rather amongst liberal givers 
not amongst those who suffer evil but amongst those who do good and rather clothes the other with disgrace by his liberality than is clothed with disgrace by being robbed so i say in this case by his generosity he will appear at once more high-minded and by showing that he does not feel the wrong will put the other to shame let us then do service to our masters for christ's sake knowing he continues that whatsoever good thing each one doeth the same shall he receive of the lord whether he be bond or free for inasmuch as it was probable that many masters as being unbelievers would have no sense of shame and would make no return to their slaves for their obedience observe how he has given them encouragement so that they may have no misgiving about the remuneration but may have full confidence respecting the recompense for as they who receive a benefit when they make no return make god a debtor to their benefactors so i say do masters also if when well treated by thee they fail to requite thee requite thee the more by rendering god thy debtor verse nine and ye masters he continues do the same things unto them the same things what are these with good will do service however he does not actually say do service though by saying the same things he plainly shows this to be his meaning for the master himself is a servant not as men pleasers he means and with fear and trembling that is toward god fearing lest he one day accuse you for your negligence toward your slaves and forbear threatening be not irritating he means nor oppressive knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven ah how mighty a master does he hint at here how startling the suggestion it is this with what measure thou meetest it shall be measured unto thee again lest thou hear the sentence thou wicked servant i forgave thee all that debt and there is no respect of persons he saith with him think not he would say that what is done towards a servant he will therefore forgive because done to a servant heathen laws indeed as being the laws of men recognize a difference between these kinds of offences but the law of the common lord and master of all as doing good to all alike and dispensing the same rights to all knows no such difference but should any one ask whence is slavery and why has it found entrance into human life and many i know are both glad to ask such questions and desirous to be informed of them i will tell you slavery is the fruit of covetousness of degradation of savagery since noah we know had no servant nor had abel nor seth no nor they who came after them the thing was the fruit of sin of rebellion against parents let children hearken to this that whenever they are undutiful to their parents they deserve to be servants such a child strips himself of his nobility of birth 
for he who rebels against his father is no longer a son and if he who rebels against his father is not a son how shall he be a son who rebels against our true father he has departed from his nobility of birth he has done outrage to nature then come also wars and battles and take their prisoners well but abraham you will say had servants yes but he used them not as servants observe how everything depends upon the head the wife by telling him to love her the children by telling him to bring them up in the chastening and admonition of the lord the servants by the words knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven so saith he ye also in like manner as being yourselves servants shall be kind and indulgent finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might but if before considering this next ye have a mind to hearken i shall make the same remarks concerning servants as i have also made before concerning children teach them to be religious and everything else will follow of necessity but now when any one is going to the theatre or going off to the bath he drags all his servants after him but when he goes to church not for a moment nor does he compel them to attend and hear now how shall thy servant listen when thou his master art attending to other things hast thou purchased hast thou bought thy slave before all things enjoin him what god would have him do to be gentle towards his fellow-servants and to make much account of virtue every one's house is a city and every man is a prince in his own house that the house of the rich is of this character is plain enough where there are both lands and stewards and rulers over rulers but i say that the house of the poor also is a city because here too there are offices of authority for instance the husband has authority over the wife the wife over the servants the servants again over their own wives again the wives and the husbands over the children does he not seem to you to be as it were a sort of king having so many authorities under his own authority and that it were meet that he should be more skilled both in domestic and general government than all the rest for he who knows how to manage these in their several relations will know how to select the fittest men for offices yes and will choose excellent ones and thus the wife will be a second king in the house lacking only the diadem and he who knows how to choose this king will excellently regulate all the rest verse ten finally saith he be strong in the lord whenever the discourse is about to conclude he always employs this turn said i not well from the first that every man's house is a camp in itself for look having disposed of the several offices he proceeds to arm them and to lead them out to war if no one usurps the other's office but every one remains at his post all will be well ordered be strong saith he in the lord and in the strength of his might that is 
in the hope which we have in him by means of his aid for as he had enjoined many duties which were necessary to be done fear not he seems to say cast your hope upon the lord and he will make all easy verse eleven put on the whole armour of god that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil he saith not against the fightings nor against the hostilities but against the wiles for this enemy is at war with us not simply nor openly but by wiles what is meant by wiles to use wiles is to deceive and to take by artifice or contrivance a thing which takes place both in the case of the arts and by words and actions and stratagems in the case of those who seduce us i mean something like this the devil never proposes to us sins in their proper colours he does not speak of idolatry but he sets it off in another dress using wiles that is making his discourse plausible employing disguises now therefore the apostle is by this means both rousing the soldiers and making them vigilant by persuading and instructing them that our conflict is with one skilled in the arts of war and with one who wars not simply nor directly but with much wiliness and first then he arouses the disciples from the consideration of the devil's skill but in the second place from his nature and the number of his forces it is not from any desire to dispirit the soldiers that stand under him but to arouse and to awaken them that he mentions these stratagems and prepares them to be vigilant for had he merely detailed their power and there stopped his discourse he must have dispirited them but now whereas both before and after this he shows that it is possible to overcome such an enemy he rather raises their courage for the more clearly the strength of our adversaries is stated on our part to our own people so much the more earnest will it render our soldiers verse twelve for our wrestling is not saith he against flesh and blood but against the principalities against the powers against the world rulers of this darkness against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places having stimulated them by the character of the conflict he next goes on to arouse them also by the prizes set before them for what is his argument having said that the enemies are fierce he adds further that they despoil us of vast blessings what are these the conflict lies in the heavenlies the struggle is not about riches not about glory but about our being enslaved and thus is the enmity irreconcilable the strife and the conflict are fiercer when for vast interest at stake for the expression in the heavenlies is equivalent to for the heavenly things it is not that they may gain anything by the conquest but that they may despoil us as if one were to say in what does the contract lie in gold the word in means in behalf of the word in also means on account of 
observe how the power of the enemies dartles us how it makes us all circumspection to know that the hazard is on behalf of vast interest and the victory for the sake of great rewards for he is doing his best to cast us out of heaven he speaks of certain principalities and powers and world rulers of this darkness what darkness is it that of night no but of wickedness for ye were saith he once darkness so naming that wickedness which is in this present life for beyond it it will have no place not in heaven nor in the world to come world rulers he calls them not as having the mastery over the world but the scripture is wont to call wicked practices the world as for example where christ saith they are not of this world even as i am not of the world what then were they not of the world were they not clothed with flesh were they not of those who are in the world and again the world hateth me but you it cannot hate where again he calls wicked practices by this name thus the apostle here by the world means wicked men and the evil spirits have more especial power over them against the spiritual host of wickedness saith he in the heavenly places principalities and powers he speaks of just as in the heavenly places there are thrones and dominions principalities and powers verse thirteen wherefore saith he take up the whole armour of god that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand by evil day he means the present life and calls it too this present evil world from the evils which are done in it it is as much as to say always be armed and again having done all saith he that is both passions and vile lust and all things else that trouble us he speaks not merely of doing the deed but of completing it so as not only to slay but to stand also after we have slain for many who have gained this victory have fallen again having done saith he all not having done one but not the other for even after the victory we must stand an enemy may be struck but things that are struck revive again if we do not stand but if after having fallen they rise up again so long as we stand they are fallen so long as we waver not the adversary rises not again let us put on the whole armour of god seest thou how he banishes all fear for if it be possible to do all and to stand his describing in detail the power of the enemy does not create cowardice and fear but it shakes off indolence that ye may be able he saith to withstand in the evil day and he further gives them encouragement too from the time the time he seems to say is short so that ye must needs stand faint not when the slaughter is achieved end of homily twenty two part one